It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June 5th, 2014. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Hey, how are you doing this evening? Glad to be with you. Good to be with you. And Anthony is behind the controls. Anthony? Uh, there you go, way up high there. There we go. I need to grow a longer neck to get to that microphone. Right. Welcome, ba- welcome back, Anthony. Yeah, good to have you here. It's been a while. Yeah, good to have you here. And uh, looking forward to discussing the program, uh, the topic with you tonight at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. You can email questions at collegeu.com. You can join in with other ch- listeners in the chat room tonight. Several showing up there, and we're in. You can sign in as well. No personal information is required. to sign in and discuss with other listeners tonight. Well, you've got an interesting, well, you've got a bad subject tonight. Yeah, maybe so. Hey, before I, we introduce that subject, I see Randy in the chair room. i got to give a shout-out to Randy in uh, Michigan. Uh, yes. What was it, two weeks ago that we did a uh, uh, yeah. our study on the evil influence of TV? Yes. And we put out a challenge. Nobody else had specifically advised me that they accepted our challenge except Randy uh, and uh, he said he would try it, and he and emailed me. The challenge me was to, turn to go TV without out. TV for a week and see how you liked it. All right. So he did. How long has he been going? He's, he's been off for more than two weeks now, and still going strong. And how is it going for him? I think he likes it. I think he well, can. Me... He's in the chat room. He can respond to us. But uh, just just a little uh, out of boy to uh, Randy uh, in Michigan. I got a feeling that it may go longer than two weeks for Randy. So thank you, Randy, for taking us up on the challenge. If you haven't listened to that program, it's from two weeks ago on the, uh, the dangers of television uh, and some interesting facts and statistics there you may want to listen to. And, um, well, is the challenge over? Can you? Is it too late to sign up for the challenge? No, no. It's, it's actually a personal challenge. It's a perpetual challenge. challenge. Yeah, just just try it and see. Go for a week. Uh, Randy, there's Randy in the chat room. He says, no TV. He's still right. going without TV. Good, Way to go, Randy. Randy. Thank you. Uh, All right. Give, so, give it a week and see if you don't see if you don't uh, think that you're better off without it, and uh, maybe give it two. Yeah, weeks. I got to tell you, there's no question you're better off without it. Okay. The question is whether you're so addicted to it you can't stand it. Well, and then uh, that may be another issue. But uh, and then uh, well, if you do go back, uh, see if you don't realize that you had become desensitized uh, while you had been watching the television. Exactly. Anthony, your your comments. Yeah, no, I say that's great job, Randy, and that's an encouragement and an inspiration to maybe others. And How long have you been going, Anthony, on oh, your challenge? Eight, eight years. Eight years. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. you, you're just sort of over the hump then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. I don't think you've ever had one, have you, David? Uh, never. Not to, well. Not no. Um, but then my wife, when we got married, she said, I don't think I can do without it. But now she'd stop me at the door and not let it in the house if I wanted to come in. Yeah, yeah. All, right. All right. You guys are strong. Okay. So tonight you suggest we had a bad topic and it is a bad topic. It's t- we're going to use, we're going to talk about Satan as our study tonight. Um, we got looking at, at our archives and realized that although we had talked about Satan a time or two in, in, in a, in different ways, we never had really talked about him. Uh, in the sense I want to talk about him tonight, we want to talk about his origin, which I think is an interesting question. And I'll tell you right up front, it's a question I don't think we can answer yeah. satisfactory to everybody's uh, way of thinking. But it is interesting to talk about where did Satan come from? Yeah. But then more importantly, we want to talk about what are his means and methods. And then more importantly than that, how can we resist him how can we succeed at resisting satan in his efforts to destroy us spiritually all right yeah this is good because there, there are some maybe misconceptions or maybe some uh, some just some superstitions or uh, some traditions about satan we want to sort of sift through those tonight we'll look forward to that you posed some questions for us earlier today yeah to our update list earlier today we always remind you get on that list send us an email to questions at college view dot com and put add me to the list in the email we'll be glad to do that we'll send you out news on thursday about noontime as to our topic for discussion that night 
to our update list earlier today, we sent out these questions. How can we know or what? What do we? I, I, I proofread that three times. And I see I messed up the question. The question is supposed to be what do we know about and what can we know, I yeah. guess, about the origin of Satan. Okay. Specifically, is he a fallen angel? Yeah. And and what verses might suggest this or su- support that such a conclusion? And then I think a really interesting thing to discuss is, is did God create him as an evil being like he presently is? Did did God create him evil? Okay. So that's question one, more or less on the origin of Satan. Question two, what's the principal goal and what methods does Satan use to accomplish his goals? How would you describe his work ethic? Okay. All right. right. And then number three, what specific things can you do to resist and defeat Satan in your personal spiritual life? All so right. that's what we want to talk about tonight. We're talking about the enemy tonight, and we want to know more about him. You know, I had a list, Jacob, a list of designations yep. for Satan. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of them. He's, of course, he's mentioned a lot in the scriptures. The two most common, obviously, Satan and the devil. But he's also called the tempter, the evil one, the god of this world, the prince of this world, the prince of the powers of the air, the prince of demons. He's called Beelzebub, the deceiver of the whole world, the great dragon, the old serpent, a roaring lion, the accuser of our brethren, adversary, the angel of the abyss, Abaddon, Apollyon, Belial, the enemy, father of lies and liars, and murderer. Wow. That's a pretty bad list. I mean, when you think about all of those. Those are descriptive terms, and they they do paint a good picture for us of uh, someone who's very wicked. And, of course, we'll talk about his, his goals, his principal goal. But, I mean, it's just by way of reading those designations that are applied to him, it's clear that he's for everything bad yeah. and that he's against everything good. Yeah. And if you just wanted to summarize him that way, you'd probably have a good handle on Satan, against everything good and for everything bad. All right, uh, Anthony, if I told you that there was someone coming to your house tonight and uh, I described him as the great dragon, the old serpent, a roaring lion, the father of lies and liars, a murderer. You'd sort of want to be on your toes. You'd want to know more you'd about You'd have the doors locked yeah, anyway. No, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> and you'd want to know more about it. What are you talking about? Who is this guy that's coming to my house? You'd yeah. want to know more about him. And so the program tonight will help us hopefully have a better understanding of who we're dealing with. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. All right, let's talk. Uh, the, the first question I think is really, to me, it's an interesting thing to discuss Although, as I said already, I don't think we can come to an absolutely firm conclusion about the origin of Satan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some verses, and I don't know how many of our emailers are in the chat room. Um, uh, th- there are some verses that suggest that he might be a fallen angel. Okay. Uh, for instance, some of the ones that are used might be like Isaiah 14, verse 12. Oh, art, uh, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? But we know for sure that that's not talking about Satan. Okay. The context of it is against the king of Babylon. Okay. You go back to verse 4, the same context. Chapter 14, verse 4 says that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how hath the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased. And so... That expression, did you? You might have noticed when we read down through the names of, that are applied to, to Satan, we didn't, didn't mention Lucifer. Lucifer no, uh, because I don't think that that's where that comes from, Isaiah fourteen. But it's talking about the king of Babylon, not about the devil. Okay, so that that, that would not help us. That okay. verse doesn't help okay. us. Okay, um, another possible verse, uh, Luke chapter ten, beginning verse seventeen. The 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falls from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when it says, I, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from the heaven, again, I don't think that really helps us in talking about the origin. In the context of that, it's it's the description of the Lord's power being greater than Satan's power. They just came back and reported 
uh, the, he had sent them out in what we've referred to as the limited commission. Yeah. And they came back reporting success and that good things had been happening to them. They'd even been able to cast out demons, yeah. which was one of the miraculous powers of, the, of that age. And uh, and Jesus is basically saying, good job. We got you know, him. We're, we're, we're whipping we, you know, we, we got him on the run. You know, yeah. I saw him. But you know, it, that's a figurative expression, not literal. It, and, and it seems to be something currently happening, not yeah. something that had been happening yeah. happen yeah. sometime previous. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Another couple of verses. Now, these may get to it a little bit better. Uh, in Second Peter chapter two, verse four, it says, "God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment." Now, what that tell? Now, what's clear from that is that angels can sin, and some did, and that God has put them in reserve for ultimate eternal punishment. Now, from that, some people have been willing to construct uh, a, a pretty elaborate theory as to what happened. Let's, let's, let's add one more verse before okay. we describe that. All Jude, right. verse 6. Mm-hmm. Jude only has one chapter, of course, and Jude, verse 6 says, The angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Mm-hmm. Now, those two verses have been linked, and and the idea that is put forward is there was sort of rebellion in heaven. Yes. That that some angels revolted. They didn't want to remain in their own habitation. They, left, they kept not their first estate. In other words, the angels had a role. They had a function. They had a position in God's plan. But they didn't. They weren't satisfied with it. They didn't like that. They rebelled against that, and and so they sinned against God in rebellion. And God has reserved them for punishment. But the theory that then thus elaborated goes that Satan was the leader of that rebellion in heaven. Right. Uh, that that he was the one who tried to uh, change the order of things, and that he he was the ringleader. He was the prince of the devils or the demons or the fallen angels, and that's where his Kingdom has come from Satan's realm. Satan's power base came from that. But he's been cast out and he knows he knows that he's doomed to ultimate punishment. But until that happens, he's working hard to see how many others he Mayhem. can destroy. But yeah. He, yeah, but as I told that story, yeah. a lot of a lot of supposition, uh, supposition reading between the lines, uh, adding in, you know, so uh, you couldn't confirm that we do know that there were angels who sinned. We don't know any more than what those two verses tell us about what transpired, yep. but we do know that they sinned. Satan may have, in fact, been one of those, as we sometimes call them, fallen angels. So he could have per- perhaps been among the angels that sinned. One possible problem with that is that Second Peter 2, verse 4 says he delivered them into chains of darkness, uh, Jude 6 says, into everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. It almost seems like they wouldn't be free to function uh, as as Satan apparently is free to function if they were in chains of darkness. So that may mitigate a little bit against it. But I'm willing to say Satan may have been among them. He may have been the leader of them. That story may be true, but I can't prove it conclusively. There's some things we, we don't know, and we need to leave it at that. I think so. Okay. Then one uh, another one that might add to this sort of speculative theory is Revelation 12, beginning verse 7. There was war in heaven. Now that okay. Now that you know that sounds okay. Like this. Now we're getting to the story. Maybe there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, that obviously fuels the fire of speculation here on that story that we were just describing. And it may, and it may in fact, help to confirm it, but you got to remember, the book of Revelation is a highly figurative book. And and to assign a, a literal uh, interpretation to something that's described within the figurative pages of the book of Revelation is maybe a little shaky. Maybe. But that verse tends to help support that notion. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. Let us and know real, in the chat room what are your what are your thoughts on the subject where did Satan come from? Yeah, and real quickly I want to get one more and then 
we got to go to our break before we conclude this discussion. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says, "No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light." Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that helps with his origin. In other words, he can he, he he's, takes he, on various he's forms. deceptive. Yeah. He's deceptive. Yeah. He, he may try to appear as something good when he really is something bad. Right. I really think that's all that says. But link with that, Job chapter 1, verse 6. Job chapter 1, verse 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came also among them. That's got to be one of the most curious things in the Bible to me. Uh, I don't really understand it. Obviously, Satan came before God. He came with others who were identified as the sons of God. Many people think that was other that there were angels. Satan came among those angels and had a conversation with God about Job. Now, the idea is that he was uh, clearly the, the the story of Job would indicate that he was already, you know, if he was this fallen angel, he was already fallen. He was already cast out of heaven. So how, how come he's back and how how's he got free access to come into the presence of God with other angels? I just don't understand that passage. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I, I, well, not not that I don't understand can't it. I, it. I can't explain it in in, in in a in a way that would fit into this other story. So I don't know that Job chapter one verse six helps us a lot there either. All right, let's let's go to our break and then we'll try to kind of draw some conclusions. We need to ask the question though: Did God create him as the evil being that he presently is? We'll get our listeners' feedback via email and yours in the chat room. Where did Satan come from, and did God create him as evil? And then we're going to get into the meat of the discussion. We need to know what he's about. Well, how's he working? What's he going to do to us? What are his goals and his desires for us? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist, but that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening The door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Many a man has found the acquisition of wealth is only a change, not an end of miseries. Show me a man who cannot bother to do little things, and I will show you a man who cannot be trusted to do big things. No one ever said on their deathbed, I wish I would have spent more time at work. Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. Man, wish I'd said that. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight talking about Satan and his origins. And uh, we want to know from you, what do you think about him? Where did he come from? Did God create him as he was evil from the beginning? Did God create him that way? Let us know your thoughts. We have some answers from our listeners today. Randy in Michigan said, uh, is he a fallen angel? Anthony, or, uh, sorry, Randy says, he was created by God. He exalted himself. He rebelled against God and became his enemy. The one reason I can say that Satan is created is if he was not created, then he is deity of which he is not because he is in subjection to Jehovah, our heavenly father. Our God is all powerful. Satan is not. So we're going to go to that. Yeah, but but he, but he did. Yeah. Well, hang on to that business about him being created by God. But he, but he suggests 
uh, he rebelled against God, became his enemy. He references the passages you did as well. Yeah. Uh, he references Matthew twenty five forty one, and shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And First um, Timothy chapter three verse six. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. That's interesting. Uh, I hadn't heard that one before. Uh, that maybe First Timothy three verse six is talking about the same condemnation that the devil had for taking position that he shouldn't have taken. That's interesting. Maybe pride. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Ramona says uh, offers Isaiah 14, but as we were saying earlier, I don't really don't think Isaiah 14 helps us because that contextually we can see that that's definitely talking about the uh, the king of Babylon. So that's where the Lucifer is mentioned, uh, but that's that's not talking about Satan. So that one doesn't help us. She mentions Ezekiel 28. Um, she says here verses Satan. 13 through 18. Uh, she says here Satan is referred to as a cherub, a guardian, or warrior angel in his creation. He was perfect but became corrupt. Verse 17 indicates that he became vain because of his beauty. Well, again, I got uh, that passage, though, If you got to go back uh, to verse 1, chapter 28, verse 1. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man, not a God, though thou set thy heart uh, as the heart of God. This is a prophecy against the king of Tyre and is not descriptive of Satan and his origin. Well, now, though, that's another in verse 13, verse 12 says the same thing. It, is, it starts another uh, uh, prophecy against uh, a lamentation against or the king of Tyre, yeah, and uh, and you are the seal of. It's talking directly to the. You were the seal of, per, of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the Garden of God. Precious stone was in your. So yes, yeah, so that's talking about, about king of Tyre. Tyre yeah. yeah, so both Ezekiel twenty-eight and Isaiah fourteen are not helping us with the origin of Satan, although they often used that way. But I don't. I think if we look carefully at the context, we see that's not that doesn't fit. And she but, goes on to reference First Timothy three verse six. Says it, she says it hints at this in saying that Satan's condemnation was through pride. His vanity led him to sin in many ways against God. He was cast out of heaven. He now dwells on earth. Well, First Timothy three verse six has, is an interesting uh, connection there. Perhaps that is uh, his condemnation was his pride. Yeah, maybe okay. so. Okay. Again, and and that might sort of blend in with this this sort of conglomerate theory about the origin of Satan. But it's going to and, and I and I want to tell you, I would not fall out with anybody who comes to that conclusion or feels strongly that that is the case. Personally, though, I just don't think that you could just nail it down and say that is for sure the case. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think we have to either. No, it doesn't I, matter. I, it's interesting to discuss, but I don't think we have to be able to say proof positive that's where he came from. Okay. Uh, Mike in Ohio says Job chapters one and two seem to indicate possibly that Satan was one of the sons of God. At least he appeared before God among the sons of God. He possibly fell along with the fallen angels who left their proper abode. Second Peter two, four and Jude six. Right, Mike. I think think that's right. And I think the way he was that Mike said it is the way we've got to say it's possibly so We, we couldn't say for sure, but there's, there's some things that point in that direction. And that may be the, that may be the, closest that we can come to to the origin of Satan. I think the really important part of that first question, Jacob, is the second part where we ask, uh, was he, did God create him as the evil being that he presently is? Yeah. Uh, and nobody's, uh, let's see, we do have some comments on that, but if you'd like to join in the chat room, uh, did God create Satan as evil as he is? You want to take some listener feedback here? Yeah. Randy says, no, here are some reasons I can say that. We read this in James 1, verses 13 through 17. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and coming down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variable, neither shadow of turning. A variableness, neither shadow of turning. So, he references James chapter 1 there to show that uh, that God can't be tempted with evil. How, therefore, could he create someone like Satan? Uh, he also says our God is holy. He can do not be or do evil, references 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. 
He references 1 John 1, verse 5. This then is the message which we heard from him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Isaiah 6, verse 3, and one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Satan is evil, Randy says, because he chooses to be and he will willfully sins against God Almighty. Satan had a choice to obey God or rebel. He made the wrong choice. Okay. So, so Randy emphatically says no. I would agree with Randy. Uh, um, it would, and, and he mentioned something at the very start of his, too, where he said, uh, if he's if he's not created, then he's eternal, and in that sense, he would be equal with God. But God clearly has power over Satan, and so the idea that he was created is, I think, necessary. Else, he would be deity. So you're saying you're saying created, but not created evil. Yeah, I think he's definitely created. Uh, and and to the question of was he created evil, I think the answer to that has to be no as well. But first of all, about his creation, um, Genesis chapter one, verse one, two, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. There we've got the father and the spirit. John one, verses one, and two, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. There's the son, father, son, and spirit are eternal. They're the only ones mentioned as being eternal and involved in the creation. Okay. Uh, Psalm 41 verse 13 says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. That's God from, he's eternal. Not, no one else, no other being is eternal. The Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit are eternal. Now, we know he was created, that we've already talked about the speculation that he was a fallen angel. If he wasn't, if, okay, the, the fallen angel concept has him good but turning bad. I think I, I think that much of it has to be true, that he was good at one point and turned evil. How he turned or when he turned or what were the specifics of his turning, I'm not sure we can be definite about. But if he's created, and I think we just argued that he was, Genesis 1 verse 31 says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Everything God made is good. Right. It would be contrary to the nature of God to create evil. First John 1 verse 5, this is the message that we have heard of God and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Randy referenced that passage. Uh, and Ramona is on the same wavelength that you are. Uh, she says he was not created evil. The scriptures categorically state that all things as they had been originally created were good in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. Uh, but now he is very evil, speaking of Satan. Within Scripture, Satan, our adversary, Zechariah 3, verse 1, is routinely routinely uh, uh, demonized by such unseemly designations as, and she lists the ones that you did. They're the devil, the god of this world, the father of lies, etc. So she's saying that he was created, he was not created evil, but he is now very evil. So thank you, Ramona. I, I, a, a sort of a, a support to that conclusion, we could compare God, we could compare Satan to man. Man was created good, but fell by his own choices, right? Yeah. Adam was good, created good, created perfect, right? But was given the ability to choose and chose evil and fell. Okay. And so it wouldn't be a stretch to say that the thing, same thing could be true of God, ah, of you're, Satan, you're, created yeah. good, but given choice, he made bad choice, he fell, oh. he became evil. Yeah. It's not against God's, it's not against the realm of possibility that it could occur that way. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Um, so, uh, again, the question is, well, now did God know that he was going to do that? When he created Satan, did he know that Satan was going to make that turn? My answer would be Yes. When he created Adam, did he know Adam would sin? Absolutely. Same question. The question is God's knowledge, and there's no limit to God. God, God knows or can know anything he chooses to know. But he did know that Adam would sin before the foundation of the world. Therefore, he had to know that Satan would be uh, would cause that because he had already uh, developed the scheme of redemption before the foundation of the world. I would I would. Uh, Cite Ephesians 3, verses 9 through 11 on that. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which was from the which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, 
who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now to the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so God was aware of a need for salvation. Well, if that's the case, then he had to have known Satan's role in causing men to need salvation. And so he foreknew those things. But uh, we've, I think we've mentioned this before. It's, it's, it, our, our feeble little finite minds can't, quite comp- can't even come close, I'm sure, to comprehending God. But the idea that he could know the end without causing it to be so. You know, that, that just doesn't, that doesn't click with us because we're all bound up in space and time. It's hard for us to imagine God knowing without causing. Uh, but I think that is true of God, that he knew but did not cause the evil things that are in the world. I like what you said there about our feeble mind, Anthony. It is, our minds are very feeble. In this day and age, not many people want to think that. We want to think that we're all, we're very enlightened, but yeah, we do have feeble minds and we can't understand, uh, things unless God's revealed them to us. Right, I and mean, we got to understand that these are things on the spiritual plane that we haven't necessarily been, uh, you know, been told about. So, all right. Well, we need to get uh, we need to get a bullet point, and when we get back, then we need to talk about how does God, how does uh, Satan work? What are his goals? John's asked a question here. Yeah, let's question. talk about that when we get back. All right, John. I'll look at it during the break. All right, let's take a break. We'll get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This week's bullet point comes from the pen of Frank Himmel. We often hear, quote, not all theologians interpret it that same way. Armed with this rationalization, some feel free to interpret most any Bible statement to mean whatever they want it to. God warned Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil under penalty of death. A visiting, quote, theologian, of course we mean Satan, interpreted that to mean they would not die if they ate it. He was dead wrong. God specified that the priests of ancient Israel were to burn incense in the tabernacle using hot coals from the altar of burnt offering, Leviticus 16, verse 12. Two up-and-coming theologians, we mean by that Nadab and Abihu, interpreted that to mean that they could use fire from any source. Fire from heaven taught them otherwise, Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2. Quote, honor your father and mother. How did the theologians of Jesus' day interpret that? Some said you need not honor father and mother. If the money you would have used to take care of your parents has been dedicated to God, you're not obligated to support your parents. Jesus replied that such an interpretation revealed these religious, quote, experts as hypocrites whose religion was useless, Matthew 15, 1 through 9. Three simple, straightforward statements from God, three interpretations that said the opposite. God said, do not, but a theologian said it was okay to do it. God said, do it, and theologians said it was okay not to do it. God said, do it this way, and theologians said another way was just as good. It is no surprise that the religious experts of our day do not agree. There have always been and always will be those who are ready to contradict whatever God orders, no matter how plainly he states it. Folks, learn something from these historical incidents. Theologians, bogus interpretations do not change the truth. God means what he says and says what he means. John put it bluntly this way, quote, The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. 1 John 2, verse 4. Be not deceived. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Michael, and I'm four years old, and, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Uh, and we're back on the program tonight. Thank you for joining in as we talk about Satan and his mission. The one reminds you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Give us a call, 877-381-4567, or send us an email, questions at College U anytime, uh, and let us know uh, if you have any questions or if you have any comments or if you have any suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study. We'd like to hear from you. All right. Uh, John asked a question. Uh, and he said, very, very, very side question, way out in left field. Since Satan was created and chose to turn against God, along with some angels, apparently or possibly, does this not mean that mankind was not the first of God's creation to have free will or choice? Is It is this free will which Satan preys upon, tying the question back to the study. Uh, 
I, I don't know that we could say that. It seems most likely, I would say, that, that maybe the angels were created before man. The angels were created with free choice. It's clear because they sinned. Don't but, know you know, that. the thing we don't know, and, and, and I don't know that you can – how long was it between the time that Adam was created and he sinned? Yeah. You know, we, we don't know that time. Would that, and we don't know whether angels were created before Satan or were they created in that interval between when Adam was created and he sinned? I couldn't say for sure. I, I, if you, if you press me to take it, make a choice, I'd probably say angels were created first, but I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you, uh, answer that question. We don't know. Of course, the thing of it is angels are etern- are, are spirit beings and they are not bound by earth, time and space. And so, you know, trying to, trying to, Make a chronology of spiritual things with physical things probably has a breakdown in itself. All right, Anthony. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not sure that we could know for sure. Uh, and here's the verse to keep in mind. John says, uh, Deuteronomy 29:29, 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things which He has revealed to belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Anything beyond that which the Bible reveals is beyond our grasp. We just have we have just what we need. Absolutely. Thank you for that, John. But, yeah. yeah and, thanks and, for posing the question, though, anyways. It's fun. It's, it's an, I think it's an interesting question to ask. It's not, I John, mean, John our, our salvation is not going to get all wound around the axle yeah, about it. Yeah. Our salvation is not contingent upon having a definite answer to that question. What our salvation is contingent upon is the second question, Jacob. All right. Now we're getting to it, and, and uh, hopefully we haven't lost anybody yet because this is where we really need to spend our time. What, what's Satan's principal goal, and what methods does he use to accomplish this, and how would you describe his work ethic? Okay. Well, I, again, we, we gave you some of those designations that are applied to Satan at the start of the program. Notice some of the other d- things that describe his character or nature. He was a murderer from the beginning. Lust sprang from him. There's no truth in him. He's a liar. He's a father of lies and liars. He beguiles, he's crafty, he deceives, he tempts men to sin, he slanders, he's an adversary to God, man, and righteousness. He is the God or prince of this world. He is the prince of demons. You don't have to, you don't have to spend too much time meditating upon that sort of a list to say his purposes are obviously against God. Everything that's good and right, uh, and that, that, that God wants and desires satan opposes and so his mission then is to oppose god therefore when you think about those who are trying to serve god then he'd be he'd be opposing us too diametrically opposed in other words if i'm if if i'm the the army captain and you're my soldier Mm -hmm. and we got an enemy over there who wants to undo what i'm trying to do as a captain of the army then that enemy is against me. But since you're serving me in my army, then he's against you too. Yeah. You've chosen uh, sides here. As this, yeah. As this soldier. So, yeah. And in that sense, it'd be clear to say that, that Satan is clearly against God. Therefore, he's against us as well. All right. Well, was you asked the question, what's his principal goal? How would you break it down for us? What would you, how would you summarize his principal goal? Well, I think that, that he is seeking to destroy as many eternally as he possibly can. I think that's his goal. If he, his goal is to cause as many to be lost as possibly can, and he knows that he has limited time to accomplish that. He's working feverishly to do it. All right. What, is, what do our emailers say about that? All right. Well, Ramona says that, um, well, let's see here. If I can get to her, his primary goal is to alienate men from God by causing them to sin. His main objective is to make all men his slaves, thus robbing them of the freedom that God's word alone can impart. John 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. Uh, that is an interesting uh, take on it, Ramona, and I would agree with it. And that uh, that helps us to understand that he, uh, and we need to be reminded of this, uh, is that he does not want our good. Satan is not in this for our good, Anthony. He'll try and convince us that he is. He did that with Eve. Uh, he did that with Adam. He'll do it with us, but he is ultimately wanting to be our master and to destroy us with sin. Absolutely right. All right. Uh, Thank you, Ramona. 
real quickly in the chat room, Stephen in the chat room has has suggested Job thirty eight seven definitively says that the angels were created before men. Uh, I don't see it, Stephen. I, I don't see that you could come to that absolute conclusion from that verse. Uh, but we'll just leave it at that. I don't think it's a critical point of our discussion, but I don't think that Job thirty eight seven is definitively telling us the that angels were, were created before men. And Randy in Schwartz Creek, Michigan tonight in his email, Schwartz Creek, Michigan is a much better place to be from now than it was just a few months ago as the weather gets nicer. Uh, he says his principal goal is uh, that he uh, wants uh, us to lose our souls. He references 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, passage that we need to have uh, committed to heart. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. He also references 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his uh, subtility, that you, uh, your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Second Corinthians 4, verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. He references first, uh, Romans 1, 21 through 31, um, and uh, he says that the things that are happening there were happening then as they are today. And so he says he wants to destroy our souls. Yeah. Um, so, so I think we see what he's after, and I ask you, what do you think about his work ethic? And I, I had sort of an ulterior motive when I asked that. Years ago, I came up with a sermon, How Christians Need to Be Like the Devil. Well, and, did you get to uh, run out of Yeah, I got, I, I was a young, uh, rather uh, immature person when I titled the sermon that, and some older more wise men took me aside and, and uh, expounded to me the way of truth more perfectly and, and suggested that was a very inappropriate yeah. title for a yeah. sermon. Yeah. Uh, so I renamed it. What did you, you call it? Uh, what can we learn by observing Satan's work oh, that's ethic? that's a little better. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, toned down a yeah, little bit. Yeah, that's toned. That's better. That's, All right. uh, uh, so uh, the points that I made in that, in that lesson is – one is that he is constant in effort. Yeah. In First Peter chapter five verse eight, your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, talketh about seeking whom he may. He's constantly at it. He's never he he never he never rests. He's always just on the prowl. On the prowl. Look, 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 yeah. You know, uh, have, have you ever heard the expression "work like the devil"? Yeah. That's a that's a common expression. You know, uh, man, he's working like the devil. Well, that expression is based upon the fact that we understand that Satan is tireless in his efforts. Yeah. He's always going after it. Yeah. I had a note here. There's only three recorded speeches of, of Satan in the scriptures. Uh, you know where they are? Uh, Genesis 3, Temptation yeah. of Eve. Yeah. Job 1 and 2 in his bargaining with God to right. tempt Job. Right. And then in Matthew 4, in temptation the temptation of Christ. Of Christ. Yeah. What's he doing every time we read him Looking talking? to get somebody look, down. Trying to get somebody to sin. Yep. And so um, he has he has uh, a, a really strong work ethic. He's constant in his effort. He never gives up. He never stops trying. That's That should scare us, as a matter of fact. And, and, and it should tell us never let down our guard because our enemy is, is constantly coming at us. Yeah. Uh, the second thing about his work ethic is he's versatile in his attack. Um, your weakness may not be my weakness, mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for instance, I have no weakness. At least at this moment in time, I have no weakness toward alcohol. Mm-hmm. Satan has no power over me to tempt me with alcohol. I mean, it's just not on my radar screen. Now, there are some people who are sh- are mightily tempted right. with alcohol. Yeah. So he uses that temptation against them. But he doesn't even try that against me. That's he's, not my he's weakness. He's not trying to get that square peg in your round hole. That's right. Yeah. But he knows where my weaknesses are, yeah. and yeah. that's where he comes at me. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, uh, which, again, is right. makes him very effective. Right. Because he, he doesn't waste his time attacking us at our strong points. He, he comes at us at our weak points. Right, right. Uh, and, and then, as we said, um, he never gives up. He, I, you know, the very fact that Satan tried to tempt Jesus I- indicates that he is undaunted in in his in his goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Matthew's account of the temptation of Jesus 
sort of leaves you the impression maybe he tempted Jesus that one time three different ways on that one occasion, Mm -hmm. and then he was done with him. No. But Luke, in Luke chapter 4, verse 13, Luke says, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Right, right. So he didn't even give up on Jesus. No. And so we, we we have to be sure that he's not given up on us either. And so as uh, Satan or as uh, Christ uh, mightily resisted him there, uh, but then he had to deal with them later. So it is with us. Uh, we'll have to deal with them constantly uh, as he tries to get us to fall. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Jared in the chat room suggests modern media, specifically the Internet, provides Satan with ability to spread evil easier than ever before. New tools for him to steal our souls. I think it's a good point. Uh, talking about how he works. You know, he, he wasn't asleep when the Internet was invented. No. He was right on the cutting edge of that. He, and I'm sure he was delighted to imagine, think of all the new things I can do now. Yeah. You know, so he has, has as Jared suggests, new avenues to come after us. Yeah. He's always working. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a break. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts on how does he work and how does he accomplish his goals. And specifically, we want to look at those so that we can be on guard, so that we can be prepared to deal with those uh, goals. Because as Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We can find out how he works. We know how he works. We don't even need the Bible to know some of the things of how he works by looking at our own experiences. We know how he works. We can also find from the Bible how uh, Satan is working today, and we want to be prepared to deal with those attacks. So we'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration, there it stands. The flames are kindled against it, there it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it, there it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment, there it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. Consider this. Years ago, a Denver fire destroyed a building which contained thousands of tons of ice. In writing his account of the fire, a reporter pointed out that the destroyed building had actually contained thousands of potential extinguishers, but not in an available form. It was frozen and therefore useless. Frozen assets, he called them. The church can suffer today from the same tragic malady. There's plenty of talent to get the job done, but God cannot command it. Plenty of money, but it's not at his disposal. Assets he needs have been frozen by worldliness, neglect, carelessness, lack of surrender, the secular mood, and other things. Let us be more ready to be used in his service and not just be frozen assets. I think you'll agree. That's worth considering. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight, talking about Satan. We want to know how he's working so we can be prepared to resist his efforts to get us to fall. All right. You mentioned before we went to the break, Jacob, that Second Corinthians 2.11 says he uses devices. Uh, we're not ignorant of his devices, it mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 6.11 talks about the wiles of the devil. That doesn't sound very good. So he has, he's wily. He uses different wiles or means. Yeah. He, uh, the scriptures would suggest he will use lust and lies. He will deceive, beguile, and ensnare. His ministers will appear as ministers of righteousness. He will appear as an angel of light himself. Uh, he'll use false gods, false Christ, false apostles, false prophets. He, he will use evil companions. He'll even use family members to bring people down. He'll use the love of money and he'll use worldly pleasure. He's got lots of methods at his disposal. And as was, we were talking earlier, the use of the internet and other means, he's constantly, uh, 
developing new tactics in the war against God and his people. So how do we defeat him? I think an important part of our – go ahead. Randy in Schwartz Creek, Michigan, references – he says – uh, what methods does he use to accomplish this? Satan tempts people today as he has always done in three ways. The lust of the flesh, he references 1 Peter 2.11, Romans 13.14, Galatians 5.19 and 20. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, Proverbs 27.20, Ecclesiastes 5.10, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, and the vainglory of life, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, James 4, verses 6 and 7. And Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So thank you for that, Randy. Appreciate that. And I would agree that he is using those three avenues uh, to try and get us to, to sin. All right. So what are we going to do about it? Well, how can we resist him? Well, first of all, know that it's doable. Uh, that helps. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yeah. And so... That's that's encouraging to know that it's not an impossible task. You know, someone says, "Well, what's the use of trying? You never, you can't do it. It's yeah. it's just it's undoable. It's impossible." No, yeah. that verse says it is possible. That in and of itself is a great encouragement to know that the job yeah. can be done. Yeah, uh, an important th- a principle is stated in Ephesians four verse twenty seven: Neither give place to the devil. Uh, what do you think would be in, in, indicated in that giving place to the devil? Giving him, opening a door for him. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, I would relate this back. We were talking earlier about Randy uh, taking the no TV challenge. You know, if if I have that TV there and it's accessible to me and I know what channels have the ugly stuff on right. there, you know. Right. And I just... Flip over there, you know, just just to see what's there. You know, I'm, right. gonna, flip, I'm gonna turn it off as right. soon as I see. I'm 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 making an avenue for him. I'm giving place to the devil. That's what I got. I got to really work on not doing that. You know, yep. if, if I was a drunk, I wouldn't go to a bar. Right. You know, uh, but and so use that principle. I'm a sinner. Right. Don't don't go around sin. Get around, yeah. get away from it. Yeah, flee from so, it. So, uh, yep. so don't give place to the devil. I yeah. think is an important concept. Absolutely. Put on the whole armor of God. Yeah. Ephesians six, beginning verse eleven. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's the wiles of the devil. Yep. So the armor of God will help us stand against the wiles of the devil. He says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So know God's truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, do right. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Know it well. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Yep. So God has made provisions. And all of those things, note, I think all of those things centered on his revealed will to us. You know, Get in the word. Get in the word. And we could confirm that with what Jesus did. What yep. did Jesus do when he was tempted? He used scripture. You know, we've often pointed out there from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, that for each of the three specific temptations that Satan placed before Jesus, what he did each time was quote scripture. He said, it is written. It is written again. And finally, get the hint, Satan, for it is written. Yeah. And so now think about that. You know, I, I believe that we might think, well, that was Jesus. I mean, after all, come on, that was Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Yeah. But when you look at it, Jesus didn't do anything that we wouldn't be able to do. Or we couldn't do. You know, if, if we know the scriptures and use them as our strength against temptation, we'll just be imitating exactly the pattern that Jesus set. If it worked for there. him, it'll work for us. Yeah. All right. And Randy in Swartz Creek, Michigan, was on the same lines as you with uh, the Ephesians chapter 6 reference on the whole armor of God. So thank you for that, Randy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've got to look for the way to escape. First um, Corinthians ten thirteen is a familiar verse. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. In other words, that's another promise. That's a by promise, the, yeah. That, that we can bear the temptation, whatever it is. God's not going to let us be tempted above our ability to to resist. But we've got to put forth effort. We've got to look for the way to escape. Absolutely. Along uh, the lines of your previous point about using scriptures, John says, but to whom do we uh, quote scripture when we're tempted? 
he said he concludes we must quote scriptures to ourselves. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, uh, you know, but uh, David said he hid uh, God's word in his heart that he might not sin. Yeah, but I got to know it before I can quote it. That's true. And so that the more time that we spend in the word, the better and more familiar we are with it. It's accomplishing a lot of things, but one of the things it's accomplishing is giving us strength to resist Satan. Yeah. So we need to do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've got resist him, give no place to him, put on the whole armor of God, use the scriptures, look for the way of escape, and then we would suggest pray. Uh, when Jesus taught his disciples the model prayer in the mm-hmm. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus prayed for strength against temptation. Right. And we need to do that. We need to use prayer as a tool to to, to resist Satan. Yes. And then... Certainly, we've got to be involved with controlling our thoughts. Yeah. Because thoughts lead to actions. Thoughts precede actions. We've made that point so many times, and I think it's so critical for us to remember. What you think about, you'll ultimately do. Thoughts precede actions. So you've got to control your thoughts. And that's why things like not letting evil TV shows. uh, The TV challenge. The TV challenge. We keep coming back to that. But. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice, bring your thoughts into captivity is what we've got to do. Uh, another familiar verse is Philippians 4.8 that tells us to think on good things. That's right. And so, the Proverbs writer tells us to keep our hearts with all diligence. And so there's some work here, uh, and we need to uh, be we need to be diligent at it, Proverbs 4, verse 23. Now, in conjunction with controlling our thoughts, then Paul suggests one more thing. First Corinthians nine twenty seven, control your body, buffet your body. First Corinthians nine twenty seven, I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others I myself should be disqualified. So you gotta control your thoughts. But you know there's there was this there's always been this false theological position that says we serve God with the inner man. And what our outer man does, well, that's out of control anyway. You just let you let your body do what it's gonna do, but you, you commit your inner man to God. Yeah. Well, that's a false concept. Yeah. Uh, we we got to control our thoughts and we got to control our bodies. And if well, bring and, it into subjection. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. Uh, Ramona has some s- similar uh, points to make. Uh, she says, what specific things can you do to resist and defeat Satan in your personal spiritual life? Uh, she references second Timothy chapter two, verse 26. God has the power to remove us from this snare the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9. So God does, and he promises he will uh, deliver us from temptation if we are willing to uh, to resist it. Uh, he, she references 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. God will not necessarily act to prevent our temptation by Satan, neither will he allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able to endure. She says we should not be ignorant of Satan's devices, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Neither can we be double-minded, James chapter 1, verse 8, nor lukewarm, Revelation 3, 15, and 16. Rather, we must be alert to the ever-present danger that our enemy represents. We must put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, Ephesians 6, 8 through, or 10 through 18. Then with such armor we can resist the devil, James 4, verse 7, and say... With the faithful of all ages, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 15, verse 57. And when the earthly reign of Satan is brought to an end and the eternal bliss of God's saints secure, then we shall be able to say with the psalmist of old, This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118, verse 24. Thank you, Ramona. Thanks, for Ramona. Finally, we're just out of time. What's going to be the end of Satan? We didn't ask that, but we know it. Revelation 20, verse 10, The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So who's going to win this? We've been talking about this great spiritual battle. Who's going to win this? Yeah. God's going to win it. Very clear. And Satan's going to lose it, and he's going to be punished forever. We do not want to be with him. We want to be on God's side. Nope. All right. Well, it's been very helpful tonight. Some good things to, to know about a very bad uh, being.
Yeah, and, and we got to know him. You, you, you're never going to be real successful at defeating your enemy unless you know him and his tactics and what he's up to. So they do it in sports? Do they study their uh, – they, 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 they do it their, in military, military uh, activities. Yeah. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. Got to do it. Anthony? Right. Yeah, good program. Thank good you for, stuff. Thanks for driving on the controls tonight. And, uh, Dad, thank you for your time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for listening. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. And, uh, well, the Virtual Bible Study TV Challenge is still on. we got an acronym, I think. VBS TVC. Uh-huh. There you All go. Right. Oh, wow. The VBS TVC. Uh, it's not too late to sign up, as Randy did. If, you, if you're willing to try it, give us an email. We'll give you a shout-out, too. Maybe uh, Randy will say that he's been going three-plus weeks next week. Yeah. Hey, it could be an ongoing thing. Yeah. Just every week you can start your just, email just in. Your first, your first uh, post in the chat room, just put a number. 3.1. 3. Yeah. 6. 8. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let us know if you take up the challenge. Uh, it will help us to uh, withstand the wiles of the devil, keep our hearts uh, pure, and uh, help us resist his temptation. All right. We hope you make plans to be back this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.